you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And indeed, on today's show, we have to get to the Missouri-Tennessee basketball game tonight at 8 o'clock. I've got a scouting report for you on the Vols coming up quickly. But you know what? First, we do have to start with some big football news. And, well, first of all, gosh, I'm not even sure which bit of news to come to, to lead with here. So, you know what? We'll, we'll flip a coin in the air, and we'll go with the players. We'll go with Michael Maietti. Yes, the former Rutgers transfer, the former Scarlet Knight, had a really nice season for the Tigers as its starting center, as their starting center, I should say. And you know what? I think he played the most snaps of anybody on the entire offense. And certainly, all you really needed to know about that young man is that Eli Drinkwitz spent quite a bit of time on his weekly press conferences publicly lobbying for Mayetti to return. So anytime you can bring back a veteran offensive lineman, especially at the center position, well, that's nothing but good news for any football program. But also on the other side of the ball, also on the interior line, but on defense this time, Kobe Whiteside also officially coming back. And you know what? For as much as 2020 has been a challenge for all of us, Certainly, Kobe Whiteside had a challenging 2020 season injury-wise. Well, you know what? Maybe this whole period will be a blessing in disguise. The fact that that young man will be able to return to the football field next year and hopefully capitalize on the considerable potential and talent that he has. And also, there's been a lot of talk about a new practice facility, an indoor practice facility being constructed for the football team. I believe the current facility is maybe 70, 80 yards long, something like that. So not only is that not an official field, it also limits what you're able to do in terms of, well, generally if you have one indoor practice field, you're going to have maybe the offense on one end, the defense on the other, or perhaps the first team on the one end, second team on the other. Whatever it might be, regardless, obviously that's a lot more cramped. That's a lot of real estate that is not being used, that would be used on a full-sized 100-yard football field. And that's certainly something that's really been focused on by Eli Drinkwitz, is that getting that new indoor practice facility, something that'll help us compete with the rest of the SEC. In terms of recruiting, well, fortunately, some donor dropped down a Very nice $10 million check, which is certainly much appreciated by the athletic department and by people who may not have $10 million lying around like like myself. I don't quite have that much, maybe someday. But seriously, this is a good sign because clearly Eli Drinkwitz had a nice first season at Missouri here. It's quite clear that he isn't satisfied and he wants to take this program to the next level And quite honestly, if that's going to happen, we need Mizzou fans to buy in. And yes, if you're like me and you don't have $10 million lying around just to give to the athletic department, we know what there's plenty of small ways that all of us can contribute to this program. Obviously, by attending the games, that's number one. But even just little things like, hey, if you're on vacation, 
you're in a, another location, even if it's in a foreign country, you're poolside, well, pull, pull a John Miller and wear exclusively Mizzou gear while you're poolside. People will notice, especially other alums, other SEC teams, and yes, the Kansas fans, they'll notice as well. And by the way, speaking of the Jayhawks and their basketball team, did you know that they're still scheduled to play Tennessee in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this year? Now, wait a second. Somebody's got to explain this one to me. Why was it? Why is it safe for Kansas to play one SEC squad, but it's not safe for them to play Missouri and Kansas City? That's a strange one to me. Could it have something to do with this is the best Missouri squad in seven or eight years? Uh, I'm just too cynical, aren't I? But regardless, I'd just love to hear the logic from the western part of the Midwest. But from Tennessee's perspective, probably not the worst thing in the world to have that Jayhawk game on their schedule because unlike the Tigers, really the Vols have not been tested yet. Their first two games of the season were against Colorado and Cincinnati, and just this morning I went back and watched that entire Cincinnati victory down in Knoxville. But other than that, since then, Tennessee has played four games against rather subpar competition. All those teams were ranked anywhere between 167 nationally and 331. Four big-time blowout victories for Tennessee. Now, I say they're probably happy to have Kansas on the schedule because originally Tennessee was supposed to play Gonzaga, who you know I think is, and most people seem to think is, the best team in the country right now. So obviously the lack of preseason schedule there, not entirely Tennessee's fault by any stretch of the imagination, but the reality is they haven't been tested yet in the way that Missouri has, like they were in that bragging rights game or even on the road against Wichita State, or even the neutral site victory over Oregon. And because Missouri is so battle-tested this far, and thus far they've passed all their tests, maybe the Bradley one wasn't exactly passed with flying colors, but passed nonetheless. And because of that, if you're into this kind of deal, if you're into looking at bracketology at this point, well, Joe Lenardi notably has Mizzou as a four-seed in the NCAA tournament so far. And speaking of four, my lucky number four, in fact, over at betonline.ag, Missouri is a four-point underdog tonight. And I want to talk about how I feel about that particular number. But first, did you know that the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than it's ever been? Well, in my opinion, that's because of Number one, Cherry Barcia, which has got to be the greatest invention in the history of mankind, just based solely on the name alone. Yes, I may judge a book by its cover kind of guy. And Cherry Barcia, well, that's a cover that has been dipped in pure gold, my friends. But seriously, though, go to BuiltBar.com and frankly get a variety pack, figure out which flavor floats your boat because they've got 18 to choose from. There's got to be one that you love. Just know that Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. So again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off 
at BuiltBar.com. Now, no matter what you think about Conzo Martin, it's hard to argue that he's been that he's had a a horseshoe up his keister for his time, a lucky horseshoe in his hind end for his time at Mizzou. Because, of course, we all remember the Michael Porter season, right? Ultimately, a fairly satisfying season in, in many ways, but just the way watching those kids overcome all of the Michael Porter injury and, and speculation. But then the next two seasons were basically years from hell, injury-wise. And certainly the Tennessee Volunteers can relate to a year from hell because last season for Tennessee, well, we all remember a couple years ago, that top 10 quality Tennessee squad led by guys like Grant Williams, who currently plays for the Boston Celtics. But last year for Tennessee, basically everything that could go wrong did, including one of their best players, Lamonte Turner, retiring from basketball during the middle of the season. But you know what? Some of their pieces from that season are now battle-tested and seem to be primed for another run at a possible SEC basketball championship. And one of those guys is, of course, reigning Defensive Player of the Year in the conference, Mr. Eve Pons. Now, certainly Pons is one of the best shot blockers in the country statistically, and obviously that's going to jump off the page at you. But I'll tell you from my experience, I've learned you can easily be fooled by just doing box score analysis of defense. For instance, just because a guy gets two steals a game or he gets two blocks a game, well, sometimes those can be really empty stats. Now, don't get me wrong, a block shot's always good, a steal is always good, but how many times did you leave your man open going for a block shot that didn't happen? That kind of deal. Well, I promise you, Eve Pons is not that guy. He, His defense, his shot blocks, that's all substance. He's an excellent defender. And frankly, he's not the only one on this team. Now, this isn't the tallest team in the world. You look at their center, John Fulkerson. He's only six foot nine, 215 pounds. Certainly not the biggest guy on the face of the earth. Jeremiah Tillman certainly is not going to be physically imposed by him whatsoever. But you know what? Their wings are all about six five to six foot seven, something like that. And they're going to cause problems, I think, for for the Tigers, especially the smaller Tiger guards. Now, once again, the game that I scouted earlier this morning was the Cincinnati game, a 65-56 win for the Volunteers. And again, since then, they've played against four opponents that, frankly, don't match up with Tennessee in terms of talent or ability. So unfortunately, I've had to go all the way back to December 12th to get an actual feel for this team. And in that game I watched, quite honestly, Josiah Jordan-James, who may well be the highest-ranked recruit of the Rick Barnes era here at Tennessee, I frankly forgot that he was on the court most of the time. Like He just completely disappeared to me. Now, last year in his freshman campaign, again in what was a disaster of a season for the Vols, he shot 37% from the floor in 30 minutes. That's obviously not good at all. But so far, he's off to a highly efficient start. But again, in the Cincinnati game, I barely noticed. So I'm wondering how much of, of his stats have come 
as sort of, I don't know, empty stats against maybe teams that, again, just can't match up to Tennessee. Rick Barnes actually mentioned Josiah James and and Santonio, San, sorry, excuse me, Santiago Viscovi as probably his most consistent player so far, saying that both guys have been wildly efficient but not taking a ton of shots. So it doesn't really seem like James, Jordan James, is the type of player who's going to take over. But, you know, he's he's done okay these last four games against bad competition. But it'll just be interesting to see what kind of game he's able to have against a really good defensive team in the Missouri Tigers tonight. And by the way, since Rick Barnes brought up Santiago Vescovi here, He's a really fun player, and I, I think he actually might be the catalyst for, or maybe the barometer, if you will, for that Tennessee offense. Because when he's feeling it, it just seems like that whole team starts to hum a little bit. Now, it's funny. I, I enjoy watching Vescovi play. I really do. I have kind of a soft spot for him. He's, I don't know, a shorter point guard. What is he? Let's see. Let's check it out here. Oh, it says he's six three here. I find that hard to believe. I thought I would thought he was more like five foot ten. Okay, fine. We'll go with six foot three. But you know, he definitely plays like a traditional point guard. He's more of your your Drew your your Drew Bugs type of player in that he doesn't really look for his shot first. He definitely is looking to distribute. But he's definitely got a little bit of Manu Ginobili in his game too. The the native of Argentina. Now, I'm not comparing him to Ginobili or anything. It's just interesting because he's Argentinian, because he's a left-hander, you can just see the influence from Ginobili. You can see the the mannerisms and, of course, the step-back three-pointers, too, which is probably Manu's signature move. And a Euro step, too. We'll throw in the Euro step as well. And by the way, since Ginobili and Argentinian popularized the Euro step, shouldn't it be called the South American step? I'm sure that's not an original take, but you know what? I'm I'm putting it out there anyway. Ultimately, I think what I'm most worried about in this game is that the Bradley game, again, showed a blueprint, a game plan for how to beat the Tigers. Get back defensively. Don't let them get the fast break going. Don't let them get easy two-pointers in transition. And in the half court, just clog the lane and force them to shoot three-pointers, go under the ball screens, make Xavier Pinson shoot threes off of a pick-and-roll, that type of deal. I think that's the game plan. Obviously, Bradley executed it rather well. It was effective for them. Hopefully, Missouri will have learned something from that experience, but my worry is is that Tennessee will, will be able to take that game plan and execute it much better than Bradley did with their superior talent, their superior length, size, athleticism, and frankly, coaching too. Rick Barnes has been around forever and he knows what he's doing. So ultimately for me, that means I'm hesitating. I'm probably going to stay away from Missouri getting four points, but you know what? If you are into betting on Missouri tonight, I would give you two pieces of advice. Number one, take the money line because they're getting it's a plus 158 money line that means if you bet 100 you win 158 dollars for instance if Missouri wins outright and my second piece of advice is if you bet on the game certainly go to betonline.ag where I found those betting odds that I just gave to you 
And you know what? If you did go to betonline.ag and you took the Missouri money line, well, you'd get, again, 158 bucks on your $100. That's a pretty nice return on your investment, right? But you also took a risk to make that bet. But here's the great thing. We're giving you an incredible bonus along with our partners over at betonline.ag because when you make your first deposit over at betonline.ag and you use the promo code Locked on, you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Yes, that's like a plus 150 money line bet, except you want it risk-free. So what could possibly be the downside here? Again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts. And hey, speaking of betting, my guys over at Locked On Bets have done it again. Yes, your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling gave out another excellent pick yesterday. Oklahoma State covering that one point spread over Miami. Yeah, we had to sweat it out a little bit, but that's okay. A win's a win, as I like to say. So subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk a little bit more about this Tennessee roster. I mentioned John Fulkerson earlier. He's their de facto center. I don't know that I'd completely describe him as a center because, again, not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a pretty darn good leaper and he's agile, definitely runs the floor. So that's one thing Tillman has to make sure that he keeps up with him keeps a body on him, keeps an eye on him, that kind of stuff, or whoever happens to be guarding John Fulkerson. Another interesting player, a a recent transfer from Oregon, actually, Victor Bailey Jr. And yes, if you're going, wait a second, is that Victor Bailey Sr.'s son, the former Mizzou wide receiver? Well, you are 100% accurate in your assumption there. Yes, Victor Bailey, one of the greats of all time with the Tigers during a not-so-great Bob Stahl era was the 50th overall selection by the Philadelphia Eagles in the 1993 draft. Well, his son, Victor Victor Jr., a really, really good shooter. That's kind of his main thing. Is he's a really good catch-and-shoot shooter. And, well, when you describe that kind of skill set, Mizzou could have really used him on this team, huh? And finally, I want to point out a couple of freshman guards for the Volunteers. Jaden Springer... And Keon Johnson both have both have really good reps, reputations, I should say, defensively. But for my money, especially Keon Johnson, just seems like a really advanced player mentally at both ends of the court. Just some little things that I noticed in that game was really impressed by. But not only mentally, but also Keon Johnson at six foot five is a heck of an athlete and can really block shots too. In fact, he's 186th in the nation and shot block percentage. Actually, that's the second best number on the team for Tennessee after Eve Pond. So pretty impressive for a guard there. That Again, that doesn't mean that alone does not mean he's a great defender, although he's got the steals numbers to back it up too. While those numbers alone don't make him a good defender, he passes the eye test, again, just from a mental perspective, he seems to understand what to do. Really impressive stuff from a true freshman from what I've seen. 
So to me, when you really look at this game, you got a couple hard-nosed, defensive-oriented ball clubs. Because yes, while all the talk so far has been about Missouri improving offensively, while that's all true, it's also true that this is statistically, so far, Conzo Martin's best defensive team as well. So to me, again, if this were a normal season, if this were, most importantly, if there was a normal Mizzou Arena crowd tonight, I would feel pretty confident in a Missouri victory. Because not only do I think the energy of the crowd could help Missouri get to another level, I think the officiating crew is going to be a big factor as well. Because if Missouri can defend without fouling, and I'm talking about the whole team here. I'm not talking about just Jeremiah Tillman getting into foul trouble, or even Drew Smith getting into foul trouble. The whole team needs to not foul because if you watch that Cincinnati basketball game, that was a pretty even game. But the huge difference was really that the Volunteers had 20 more free throw attempts than the Bearcats. And honestly, as I was watching that game, it seemed like Cincinnati was every bit as aggressive, if not more aggressive, getting into the paint. So Again, that game was in that game was in Knoxville, so maybe there is still a bit of a home court factor for the referees. All I know is I'll be making noise tonight at Mizzou Arena. And guess what? After the game, doing gonna do a little late night recording with Josh Ward from Locked On Vols. So we'll get the Tennessee perspective as well as my rather biased Mizzou fan perspective on the game tonight, no matter what happens. So look forward to that. Next time, right here on Locked on Mizzou.